Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Episode 216 for the love of the game on the Believe Podcast Network is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, tennis, golf, and even more. Maybe start throwing some shekels on some NFL futures. NFL season's coming up uh, before you know it. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games, available to play right from your phone. So head to the website or use a mobile device today, sign up, and use promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts with that said, episode 216. For the love of the game, let's get this work. What's poppin'? Brand new whip, just hopped in. I got options, I can pass that play stocking. Just joshing, I'ma spend this holiday locked in. My body got rid of them toxins. Sports in the top ten. I can put the ball in the end zone, put a bad in the friend zone. Sound like an intro, jet song, give me that tempo. Told pool, he'll fool. Told her, don't let her friends know. In the building, I move like a dime. Even Pettuccini or Vincenzo's. Me and my amigos got that free smoke on the West Coast. Yeah, I'm talking about pre rolls. Dark hair, she look like she go. She do. Hometown hero, feeling myself came murder. All right, we're back. Episode 216 for the love of the game on the Bleed Podcast Network with yours truly. It's ATH, Aaron Tobin Hess. We are back in the saddle. We are back behind the mic, and the dog days continue. We are going to have a therapy session. It is the all-star break for Major League Baseball. We're going to have a New York baseball therapy session because, let's face it, it's not great on either front, Yankees or Mets. Two quick things before we get into our guests later this episode. NBA Summer League kicked off, and obviously the major attraction was Victor Wimbanyama. He played Friday night. He played Sunday night. And Friday night did not go great against the Charlotte Hornets. He shot like two for 13. He got crossed over by the number two pick, Brandon Miller, who also has had an up and down summer league experience. And this is on the heels of after Scoot Henderson had an awesome, awesome game, just an awesome showing in his minutes in his first summer league game before he got hurt and exited with a shoulder injury. And everybody's rushing to conclusions about Wimbanyama freaking out, this generational talent. He's not that good. All this yada, yada, yada. And then Sunday night happens. He comes out, maybe a little bit of a slow start, and then just turns it on. Absolutely turns it on. Finishes 9 for 14, has 27 points. Showed you the full arsenal off the dribble, threes being around the rim, just being 7'5 that he is. And everybody's just like, now he's going to be awesome. Listen, it's summer league, people, all right? Summer league is not an indication, or I should say a good indication of what is to come, all right? It's very disjointed. A guy like Wimbanyama, if he's not a primary ball handler, He's not going to look as good when not playing with really good or NBA caliber point guards who are going to put him in the right spots. It's just not the way it is. You know, guys are trying to make rosters here. Everybody's kind of gunning for themselves a little bit, trying to find themselves. Like, no one's looking 
to set up Wimbenyama. And yeah, he was nervous game one. And he came out tentative. He came out flat. Big freaking deal. All right? It, it's not a big deal. The guy's going to be great. You can see the talent is there. You can see the fact that the instincts are there. The feel for the game is there. Yes, he's a little skinny right now. He's going to get pushed around. But it's fine. He's going to fill out. He's going to be awesome. And if you were going so far to say that he was going to be terrible after Friday night's first game of Summer League, well, then you just don't know what you're watching. You don't know what you're watching. Everybody needs to calm down. Calm down. We, we've gotten to this point in NBA culture and NBA media where we just jump to conclusions so freaking fast. Take a step back, simmer down. It's going to be fine. If you remember, and this is not one of my favorites, Trey Young in his summer league was a disaster, an absolute disaster. And again, I don't like Trey Young, but Trey Young has figured out how to make shots at the NBA level where it looked like in summer league, he didn't have a clue of what he was going to do. And again, he was a primary ball handler, right? He was put in positions in summer league to look really, really good. And he was terrible. He's turned out to be a good NBA player. Not my cup of tea, but a good NBA player. On the flip side, Kevin Knox, former summer league all-star, Kevin Knox for the New York Knicks, was the best player in summer league at a point. Needless to say, it didn't work out for Kevin Knox. It's fine. It's fine. Victor Wimbanyama is going to be fine. Brandon Miller looks like he's going to be fine. He's going to figure it out. Scoot Henderson looked awesome. Looked awesome. And I think Scoot Henderson is going to be really, really good. It's why the Blazers should be able to accept a little bit lesser of a trade package for Damian Lillard. The Scoot Henderson era is here, and they should embrace that. But yeah, everybody needs to slow down when it comes to rapid reactions, when it comes to Summer League, all right? It's Summer League. It's disjointed. It's weird. Now, it's an offense I definitely want to go see in person because, you know, anybody who's anybody in the NBA is going to be around Vegas for these couple of weeks. But yeah, everybody relax. I wouldn't be surprised if Wimbanyama doesn't play another summer league game the rest of summer league. Scoot Henderson probably won't play again. Brandon Miller may get another run at it. Who knows? But again, summer league is just that. It it really doesn't hold a heck of a lot of weight. Last thing I wanted to touch on, and it's going to be a quick monologue because we're going to get into our guests to talk about the state of New York baseball because, again, that's really all, all we have to talk about right now. So it happened last week. Uh, the mothership, ESPN, fired a whole lot of people, whole lot of people, a lot of big names, Todd McShay being one of them, uh, Max Kellerman, Keyshawn Johnson, Jalen Rose, a bunch of them. But the, but the biggest one to me was Jeff Van Gundy, who, in my opinion, was by far the best color commentator calling NBA games. He always had insight. I've said it multiple times on this show. Jeff Van Gundy has insight when paired with Mark Jackson. 
Mark Jackson says absolutely nothing of substance. It's also apparent that Jeff Van Gundy doesn't really care and was willing to criticize the league and willing to criticize the officiating at a whim. And constantly, you know, he, he would berate officials constantly if they weren't doing a great job. He didn't have a problem going at the league if he thought something was was off. And it seems to me that the NBA, which is a TV partner of ESPN, and they want to make that relationship work, was like, we, we can't have this anymore. We can't have this on our broadcast. And honestly, it's a shame. It's a shame. My feelings on ESPN is that they've been going down the toilet for a while now. I've said this on this show a couple of times. ESPN is trending in the wrong direction. But to get rid of your best color commentator who actually has insight into what it's like to be in a coaching huddle and tries to portray that to the viewer and not just regurgitate the same crap over and over again it's embarrassing, honestly. It, it's embarrassing for ESPN. And you just wish, you would just wish that they would have the stones to stand up to their business partner and say, listen, he's really good at this. And sometimes the NBA's product and their officiating needs to be criticized. But ESPN couldn't handle it. And I didn't think that it was a budget issue as opposed to all the other major cuts from ESPN. I, th I think this was really just to satisfy their business partner. And honestly, it's cowardless. It's cowardly. It's ridiculously cowardly. Just more garbage from ESPN. Anyway, with that said, just a really quick monologue, probably my quickest monologue in the history of this show. We're going to bring on a recurring guest to talk about the Yankees. We're hopefully going to get a recurring guest on to talk about the Mets going into all-star break how bleak their outlooks are for this season and possibly going forward. We're going to talk about that in just a matter of moments. So we are at midway point in the baseball season. All-star break is upon us. I will not be watching any of the festivities. Uh, the only person I'm willing to watch anything of is Shohei Otani and uh, De La Cruz on the Cincinnati Reds, who, my goodness, I wish the Yankees had a guy like that in my lifetime who is that cool with just the flash all that but the yankees go into the break having lost two or three from the lowly cubs so we have to bring andrew sender on to rant a little bit andrew you're at today's game take me through your emotions right now after there was a rain delay the yankees were bad uh glaber torres is maybe the worst good player or not even good, mediocre player of all time, the floor is yours. Um, I'm not going to lie. Through the first three innings, I sat there with my dad, and we both said, yeah, this is great. There are all these hits, but it's one run. And I kept saying, literally, like, it could be one hit from the Cubs, and this game is tied. And those eight, seven, eight hits that they had all go to waste. And guess what? They hit a home run, and then obviously the rest of the game happens. And to add to that, I never leave Yankee games early. Like in my every time I go to a game, I don't care if they're up by 15 or down by 15. I stay. I love baseball. I love to watch and I never leave early. But when that rain delay hit, I, I left so quickly. I didn't want to. I didn't want anything to do with it. They were losing. The team just looked like they gave up. I didn't want to be there. And I think that sums up the season so far. 
So in the last week, and the week started off promising. Obviously, they've been yo-yoing around somewhere between six games over 500 to 10 games over 500, yo-yoing back and forth. They have the series with Baltimore. They go up two games to zero in the series. It's a four-game set. They lose the next two. Then they lose two out of three to the Cubs. Aaron Judge is still not back. Anthony Rizzo hasn't hit a lick. Giancarlo Stanton hasn't hit a lick. Yeah, he had two home runs this week. Congratulations. Josh Donaldson is an albatross. Glaber Torres is probably a bigger albatross. Luis Severino might be the biggest albatross of them all. Where, where do we start? Like, like what, what's the point? I mean, I know the record is what it is right now. They're like a game out of like a playoff spot. But like, why are we doing this? Like, why do we keep monitoring? What, why should Yankee fans care? Is it the fact that Anthony Volpe, who we didn't even get to discuss the last time you were on, actually is starting to turn things around? Like, like what's the silver lining here? You know what sucks about that is that like you you go back and forth. You know, you say, oh, the bullpen has been phenomenal. And then this week they haven't been that good. You know, like it, it's just every single week it's something new. We think Glaber has turned the corner. He's they, The at-bats have looked amazing, and I will give him that. The at-bats have looked great. But that error, the second it happened, I'm like, this game's over. It's It's done. You had a chance to get out of it. Like, it's just like things like that. Like, they just, nobody has been consistent. And look, I love Anthony Rizzo, but my God, dude, we need a home run. I need to see some pop from you. You got the short porch out there. Like, you can't have 11 home runs at the All Star break. Like, and that is I so unacceptable. Not, and weren't like nine of them within the first. Literally, month and a half of the year. He was on fire. He couldn't he could not hit a home run. And now all of a sudden he's I'm looking at a stats run. He's had eighty four games. He's on pace for twenty one home runs. Twenty one home runs for a guy that has pop. Like it's unacceptable. It just flat out is unacceptable. And we, I can go on with everyone. You know, like I hate that I have to pick on Rizzo because he's actually been pretty consistent other than the power. He's hitting the ball. He plays a good field. But, I mean, yeah. like it's I don't know, man. I, I don't know. Hold on with Rizzo, and I know he's the least of our problems. But, you know, he was hitting 320 through the first month and a half of the year, and he's down to, like, 259 with barely any homers. Like, he's been horrific. Well, look, the, the 320 was always going to be unattainable. I thought Fine, personally. okay, but, like, still. Like, give no, me no, I, yeah, else. I agree. Give me 280. I agree. And, look, to be honest, without the shift, he should be hitting 280 because he can slash. That's his game. Like, we want him to hit for power, and I expect him to because that's what we need. But at the end of the day, this guy can poke the ball everywhere, and he hasn't been doing that. Like, he really has been swinging big for the fences, and I don't know if that's a judge thing not being there, but whatever it is. I mean, yeah, you're right. Like, losing 60 points on your average is really bad. <laughs> like, And it hasn't yeah, been that long bad. of a stretch. It hasn't been that long of a stretch. Like it's been pretty short in baseball terms. So, I mean, yeah, I just there's there's so many problems. And like you know, you mentioned Volpe. I love his game. I love where he's at right now. You know, I I, I just the chicken parm has been the best thing ever. Like this guy looks so comfortable at the plate every single plate appearance, which I love. Even when he gets out, I feel like he's putting up a good at bat. Like 
you know, kudos to him. He's he's starting to to adjust to the big leagues. But yeah, I mean, the problems just go on forever. Who's the biggest problem? Severino. Is it Glaber? Is it Severino or Stanton? It's Severino. It Make has to be case. Severino. Well, besides for the fact that he's pitching to a seven ERA, but Look, like even even besides that, besides the seven ERA, I'm not asking a lot from Luis Severino. I'm not. But give me innings. Give me innings at least. Like if you're gonna give up runs, battle. Try to battle out of it. He just gives up. The like it's been so either a plus Luis Severino or F Louis Severino. Like it's either been he's got his stuff and he's gonna battle and maybe give up a run or two, but that's fine. But I'll give you six six innings or whatever. If if it's not that, it's two three innings of eight run ball. That is so ridiculous. We can't we can't afford to do that. And look, this happened I think in 2019 where the starting pitchers weren't going deep, and all of a sudden you see the relievers who were so good they start to slow down. You're seeing it. Ron Marinaccio has been overcooked. He is slowing down. People are going to eventually gas out. Clay Holmes was one of them. Two, what was it, two years ago, where he just completely gassed out? You know, it's going to happen if we can't get deep starts. And I even looked to, I mean, look, Garrett Cole was awesome. Like, he didn't have his A plus stuff always, but he's at least giving us seven innings, six innings every time he's out. A bad start for him is six innings. The other day, he gave up three runs, but he still pitched eight innings. That's yeah. amazing. That's so valuable. But, man, I mean, just so many starters that just, like, we, we cut it off at the fifth inning. Like, we get five innings of, of starting pitching, and we're, you know, we're all happy kumbaya. Like, that's just, that's unacceptable. Is that more a symptom of the stat nerds? Now, again, if Severino doesn't have st- – you know, stuff going for him. I, I understand you, you, you're, you know, forcing the manager's hand to make a move, but it, just in general, because for the most part, the starting pitching has been pretty good, right? And obviously we're going to take Carlos Rodon out of it. It's his first start back. He's not going to be stretched seven, seven and a third. He, he went five and two thirds, I think. All right, fine. It's his first start back, right? But do you think the overtaxation of the bullpen is a product of the manager slash the front office slash the stat nerds telling them he needs to pull or the guys haven't been delivering. Well, because look, today, to me, it's like, yeah, Severino one is one thing, but other than that, like the starters have been pretty good. Like just try and eke out an extra out, extra two outs of, from them. And it makes a big difference by the end of the year. Today was a great example of that, of where I think the, the nerds took over. Domingo Herman was dealing like, yeah. I'm talking like he looked better today than like Cole looked when he threw eight innings. Herman was dealing. He was making hitters look stupid in the box. But they pull him after a walk? One walk? That's that's what we're doing here? We're not even trying to see what the next at-bat was? We were up 4-1. We're 4-1 in the seventh inning. It's 75 pitches. The guy was money. He was absolutely money. The one mistake he had was a first-row home run. The guy was pitching out of his mind. I would have let him go to the end of time. And I think it was Ian Happ who was up, who he literally, quite literally, made him look like a minor league baseball player in his two at-bats against him. So to me, that was just a lack of trust from the manager. I think that's the nerds getting in his ear. And look, 
bringing in Ian Hamilton in that situation, was that even the right decision? When there's a man on and nobody out, why are we going to Canely? Canely's our A guy right now, especially when it comes to holds. Put Canely in when there's a guy on. I don't need Ian Hamilton in. And there's nothing against Ian Hamilton. He's been awesome. He's got a sub 2-5 ERA. But is is Ian Hamilton more sexy than Tommy Canely in that situation? If we're going to pull our starters dealing? I don't think so. No shot. And the crazy thing about that is for all that ails the Yankees, and you could have made the case last year, for sure last year, that Aaron Boone held them back with stuff like this, you know, the inconsistency and stuff like this. And I get it. You want, you know, Garrett Cole has more of a resume where he gets a little bit more leeway. I understand, right? But, you know, for lack of a feel of the game, Aaron Boone clearly doesn't have it, and he's clearly just a puppet on the, you know, on the string of the of the stat nerds and Hal Steinbrenner and and Cashman to some degree. But the worst part about this season is Aaron Boone, who's doing the same shit he did last season, is like the least of their problems. Yeah, I mean, if anything, that's probably, when you know it's bad. He's he's quite literally having one of the better seasons that he's that he's ever had as a manager, which is awful. That's such a bad look because now now it's like really like, holy crap, we have a problem. Like our players are just not performing. And if you look up and down the line, my dad even said it to me. He's like, "Whoa, wait, this is a World Series team. There's not a single guy hitting over like 270. What it what it what is that about?" I'm like. You're so like you're so right. Like that's such an embarrassment. And don't give me this judge bull crap. That's one dude. Look at the Angels. They have Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. Guess what? They'll never see anything close to a World Series. So you can't just be one guy. It's got to be everyone else. And a team can't crumble like this when you lose one dude. The Braves. They lose Acuna, who's just as good as Aaron Judge's, and that hurts me to say that. I love my guy, Judge, but Acuna is that dude also. But guess yeah. what? They went on to win a World Series because that's a World Series team. You can lose a guy and still be okay. We lose a guy, and we immediately become a bottom 10 team in the league, bottom 15 at best. And it's just unacceptable. Explain to me why Glaber Torres isn't the most disappointing Yankee of the last 10 years. I can't say he's not. I mean, he is. Because the thing is, and what it, it just hurts inside is that, like, yes, there's been guys like D.V. Garcia and Gary Sanchez, blah, blah, blah. Greg Bird. Greg Bird, all these guys who are hyped up and whatever. Clark Schmidt, even though he's pitching well lately. But Labor Torres was a sure thing slam dunk home run. Like, he had everything. He was a five-tool baseball player. Everyone said this guy can feel, he can run, he can hit, he can do everything. And we saw it in that first year. That first year was unbelievable. And even though the fielding wasn't so great, he was a rookie, he was getting better, and blah, blah, blah. We thought, okay, he'll go to second, he'll be perfect, it'll be great. But no, he has become, he's, he's, he's just mentally just not there. He's so nonchalant. And you know what? That Boone made a quote about the nonchalant like part of his game, and he said, like, oh, he's very nonchalant. I think that actually helps him. And I was like, wait, what? 
How could that possibly help him? In it's, fairness, he's, hold he's on one second. One second. Baseball player. One second. In fairness, Boone kind of crapped all over him in the post game presser today, saying that you know about the defense, saying nine errors, the most in the majors at second base is is highly unacceptable. Which for Aaron Boone to say that about a player just goes to show you how disappointing and how brutal he's been to me it's he's the embodiment of this current yankee regime where it's like they they hold themselves like they've done something they act like they're better than they are they hold themselves like they've done something and honestly they've not done squadoosh because it was fun in 2017 they were one win away they haven't been better since. And guess what? The manager from that team is no longer. Now, I'm not saying he didn't deserve to go because I'm not saying he was great. And you've seen him flame out in other places. But he's gone. The new manager is not better than him. And besides for Judge, none of the players on that team are better now than they were then. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy to think that, I mean, look on paper. That 2017 team, how in the world was that the best one? What like why was that, that was, one the best that one? That was pre-Garrett Cole. That like and, that was such a like a bare minimum, like just such a weird team. But they did something very well. They played a clean field. They did a lot of that. They did a lot of slashing. It wasn't just strikeout every time. Even though Judge was like that in the postseason, but it was a lot of slashing. But he was they, young, they that. up and coming, and he was the runner-up for the MVP. We're not going to badmouth Aaron Judge because no. clearly, clearly, like, again, Shohei Otani is on a different plane right now, but he's number two. Still, even still, you can make a case that Aaron Judge is the MVP because look at the Yankees when he plays and look at them when he doesn't play, right? You know, wins and loss have, have to matter somewhere, but – it's just wild to me that a team that kind of peaked in 2017 before they brought in one of the three or four best pitchers in baseball, most consistent pitchers, and they're just they're just an anemic offensive team. And to me, Glaber Torres is just the microcosm of this anemic run that they've been on. And again, you can say they've been to multiple um you know you know conference championship series they've been to a bunch of these things but this is the new york yankees all right it's time to win a world series it's time to get there they haven't been there since 2009 like what are we doing here well look i i understand your point but i don't i don't like the angle of it's the new york yankees in my opinion it's the angle of there's so much freaking talent on the field figure it out how in the world do you go from being a win away from getting to a World Series and most likely winning that World Series to then bringing in an MVP, bringing in a, a borderline Hall of Fame pitcher who's one of the best in the game right now and bringing in all by, these pieces. By the, by the way, he's going to get there eventually. No, of course. And bringing in all these pieces and the team looks and then you you come, you get a, an absolute blessing in Glaber Torres. That trade was sensational, and he turns out 2018. This guy's amazing. 40 home runs, 280 average. We're gonna we're gonna win five. 
But since then, it has been just a steep dive, and it keeps getting worse. Look who's starting at third base for the New York Yankees. A guy hitting 145, 150. He broke a record today. Aaron, he broke a record today or the other day. You want to know yeah. what the record was? You want to know what it was? The least home- amount of hits to get yeah, the 10 homers. Home that yeah. is the most embarrassing record to hold. But this guy's starting and the manager's supporting him. He's saying, yeah, he's going to start all year. That's what we're at. That's where we're at. $250 million payroll, and that's where we're at. And the reluctance to play Stanton in the outfield, especially given all these injuries, is insane. It's just bad. It's bad. It's a rotten core from the top down. Let me ask you this. Are there any silver linings besides... It's for... Judge rehabbing and, and maybe getting back on the field. And and if that's the only silver lining, do you even bother this year? I seriously cannot find any positives. Because even if Judge comes back, no way he's 100%. No shot he's 100%. That injury needs time. And they're going to rush him, which is just a awful like look at the end we need to come to our senses it's not the year don't rush him and whatever but other than judge potentially coming back maybe being 75% I mean yeah you got Rodon and Cole but you got him next year got him next year get rid of the dead weight this year and you know what even though it really kind of goes against something that I like to believe maybe try to make a crazy trade Maybe try to do something real, maybe stupid almost. Maybe giving away Dominguez and maybe bringing in a Juan Soto. And yeah, you only get, realistically, you'll get one run with him next year. But why not? Because whatever we're doing right now, it ain't working. working. It's not working. And look, I give a lot of credit to Brian Cashman. He fired the hitting coach today. That's the first time in his tenure that he's ever fired a coach midseason. And I give him a lot of credit because it needed to happen. You needed a new voice. And there's been a stat about the hitting, which is mildly just, it makes no sense. Their hitting approach has changed. They don't swing at early pitches and they don't swing at late pitches. They don't swing on first pitches and they don't swing on 2-0 and 3-0 counts. I don't understand that, but whatever. So yes, I love that. Bring in a new voice. They said they're looking outside the organization, which I really love because that means... Maybe they don't want to totally just rely on the nerds and maybe rely on some sort of baseball knowledge and someone who knows how to hit the ball. But look, I just, this team is just a mess and they need to try something new because they're running the same thing over and over and over and over again, but with a different face. It's different faces, but it's the same thing. The formula is the exact same and it's just not working. It's only getting worse. If you're... If you're running the team, when do you DFA Glaber? When do you get rid of Donaldson and bring up Peraza to play? Like, what's what's your move to shake it up if you're not going to make a big move to bring in somebody externally? Because it's just untenable right now. Look, you don't DFA Torres. That's that that 
you know, that just doesn't make sense because he could still hit. Like he at the end of the day, he's hitting like 250. He's got like 13 home runs. Like that's good stuff. You know, that's good for a middle order bottom guy. That's awesome. I love that. But Josh Donaldson, and this is where it gets really tricky. And I understand why they're trying to find something. If they DFA him, we have to give him like $8 million next year off our payroll. How does he want to do that? And neither does Brian Cashman probably. So I understand it. But, but you're telling me you can't pull a, an, Ari- a, an Arizona Coyotes for my hockey people and dump the old veteran with to somebody else? Just get him off. Take all the salary. Retain every bit of the money. But just get him out. Because getting him out is a lot more valuable than getting rid of his salary. Just get him off the team. You got to get him off the team. This is the last year of the salary, right? This is last year. It's $25 million. Eat the $25 million. Send him off to some. Send him off to Oakland. Oakland doesn't give a shit. Send them some cash. Send Josh Donaldson. And don't even take anything in return. Don't even take a thing in return. You know what you're getting in return? Oswaldo Peraza. You're getting an absolute stud who is ripping it up on the minors. I think that's that's the answer. That, that's what you do. Just get rid of him. It's they're not going to do it. They're too they're too dug in their heels with this Josh Donaldson thing. And the crazy thing is, is that he's Aaron Hicks level bad. It's worse. And, Way worse. And Aaron Aaron Hicks put up good at bats. I will give him that. Even though I absolutely despised him on the Yankees, he put up good at bats. He worth counts. Josh Donaldson is just brutal. The swing, the hacks that I'm watching today live. I'm like, there's no way. Like, there's nobody in the minors that could hit 200. Like, it's it's worse than Hicks at this point. But he's still here. I don't. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. So, Carlos Rodon comes back. Obviously, it was his first start of the year. What did you make of his first start? Is there anything about it that you know that you saw it to be super positive? I know this is a very negative show right now, and as it should be. But anything positive from him uh, going forward that can maybe be a catalyst? Dude's a stud. Dude is an absolute stud. Look, he had some location issues, and that's going to happen. You know, like the guy hasn't pitched in a long time, coming off injury. It's going to happen. But my, oh, my, did, did he battle? He just battled. You know, he looked like a warrior out there, looked like an absolute ace. And look, if he keeps that fastball up, dude's deadly. He's a really fun pitcher to watch. And I love his demeanor. He He's in there. He's like a Cole. He's kind of like that. You know, he's just straight to the point, like, I want to be here and I want to win and I'm going to do everything I can to win. I love that. So I'm, I'm excited about him. I'm excited to watch the two of them and hopefully Nestor comes back soon and you know, the rotation could look good, but other than that, it's not too great. Are there any moves out there realistically um, that could help this team? I know the name Cody Bellinger has been floated out there. Um, you know, he, he does have a resume. It, he took a little bit of a dip. He was probably the best player in, in the National League for a season. Took a dip, and now he's sort of on the upswing. Uh, I I know his name was floated out there. Is there anybody else who, who can maybe make an impact on the fringes over here? Look, the Bellinger thing is 
you know, you look at his numbers and you go, my, oh, my, lefty hitting 300, this is everything we need. The only problem is, like, I truthfully believe if he came to the Yankees, he would drop Swing down. Swing for the to, fences and strike out all know, the time. He would he would drop down to the 250s, and it would just be a different player. And I don't know why that is. I don't know why that is. But for some reason, it is. And look, to be honest, like Luis Robert is a name. A lot of the guys that have been thrown out are the same type of hitters that we have. I don't need a Luis Ro- Robert or Robert, whatever the fuck this guy's name is. Yeah, but I don't need the... that. Okay, can I play I devil's advocate? I need can a I play base de- hitter. Can I play devil's advocate? Yes. All the types of hitters we have now suck anyway. So if you bring in anybody else who may be the same style of hitter, just a little bit better, that's an upgrade. But not necessarily. Because even if you're doing that, like you have to think about what you have to give up. So if I'm going to give up something, I want to make sure it's something that I don't have. What do I don't have? What do I not have? A 300 hitter. Well, they don't have anything right now. But 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 my point is that if I'm going to give up anything, I don't want to give up someone for uh, a Glaber Torres, but a little bit better. No, I don't want that. I can deal mm-hmm. with Glaber Torres. I need something that I do not have, where I cannot see anywhere in the lineup. Look, Harrison Bader, I love him. He's turning into a big hit or nothing type guy. Swinging for the fences. Give me a 300 hitter. I need a 300 hitter. And if I'm going to give up any sort of assets that mean anything to my team, I need to make sure it is something that I don't have right now, that I don't have in the bag. And that's a 300 hitter. I'll tell you this. I can't stand Glaber Torres. My hatred towards him is like at an, at an all-time high. I can't remember a Yank. Well, no, Aaron Hicks. But like besides for Aaron Hicks, I can't remember a Yank. I really despise that much longer. So if you're running the team, obviously – you know, given the the outlook of what's going to be out there on the trade market. It's not not great. Again, it's not like anything we have is great so that anything is an upgrade. But at what point do you do you uh, get Rodon back comfortable, shut Cole down, and just gear up for next year? That's a good question because, obviously, if they're in it, you know, even if they're three, four games out, they're not going to punt when they're close. And that's they're... what I'm saying. Like you got it. You got to go for it. I think, realistically, I think they seriously need to evaluate the judge situation. And if he seriously is not coming back, can the season trade away pieces and just restart? Who, who goes first? Torres. Torres he's, goes first. Neighbor Torres is first one. And look, that's not because he's playing bad or anything. He has the most value. That's, Still? That's a realistic trade. You know what I'm saying? Like, of course, Aaron Judge has value. But the realistic trades, Labor Torres by far has the most value. After that, I'd say maybe Sevy. Maybe someone could, you know, give up a draft pick or a prospect. I, look, the <laughs> bottom line is the dead weight with this team they they have negative value. They're old. Like it's just not. It's not looking great. They're in a very weird position right now. Where even if they can the season, they have to do so much in the off season, and like they're just their payroll is just going to be out of control if they ever want to get to where 
a championship team would look like. Final question. Worst shape, Yankees or the Mets? Oh, my God, it's the Mets. It's, like, not even close. It's not even close. You know Can what? The... Make, I'm going to make the case for the Yankees in a second, but explain to me why the Mets. The Mets have a problem because – and it, it, it sucks because, like, you think with the new owner, it's going to work out and everything. Baseball is not how it used to be, and I use that as a Yankee fan where you can – you used to be able to, you know, pretty much buy your way to a World Series, sort of. Not fully, but to an extent where you can get guys like Teixeira and Sabathia, really good pieces. Baseball's not like that anymore. It's built from the bottom. And the Mets have nothing. They have absolutely nothing. The Yankee fans should be grateful. We've got a lot of young kids that are ready to go. And we'll be ready to go in the next couple of years. So we have a core. We do. Even with Judge and Cole and Rodon playing right now, there's a new generation of a core that we can they build. Haven't, they haven't developed a player since Aaron Judge, besides, or I should say besides for Aaron Judge and since but 1994. But look at Volpe. You don't think he's got what it's take? I'm not, saying, take, he do, I'm not saying he doesn't, but like – Let's but I believe the Jets him. on him becoming the second coming of Derek Jeter. No, 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 no. I'm not, but look, that's that's not realistic to think about that. But my point is I could see this guy playing shortstop for the New York Yankees for the next 10 years. 100%. I love the way he plays. I think he's a tremendous player. Peraza has shown really good signs. Dominguez, supposed to be the Martian. Randy Vasquez, why are we even talking about him? He's looked electric. His stuff is awesome. So, like... I'm very confident in the Yankees' future players. I think they're just going to be screwed when they have these guys being paid so much money when they're older. But never mind that. I just think there's a solid young core versus the Mets quite literally have nothing. Literally nothing. It's Alvarez and Beatty. I see your point about the Mets. Their farm system has been depleted terribly. Uh, the sins of Brody Van Wagenen. Um, who's the guy before him? Oh my God, I forget. Whatever yeah, his name is, bunch of Joe Schmoes. It was like it was Sandy Alderson, right? Yeah, that was him. Um, I I I see that point. I see right now the Mets are are, are really bleak and light, and honestly the Mets are under five hundred. My to play devil's advocate is. The owner's relentless. He's relentless, and he's relentless in building a farm system as well as throwing money at problems to patch up holes. And the owner of the New York Yankees doesn't want to be in the sport. He just wants to cash checks, and he probably hasn't sold only because he hasn't gotten a big enough offer yet. And... His late father didn't want him in the business. His late father wanted his son-in-law in the business, and then he happened to have cheated on his daughter. So that was kind of a no. Um, that's why I'll say the Yankee, the the Mets are in a better situation. Yeah, and because... to go to go with to go with that part of the problem with the Yankees, and like a day like today, I, I think about like there was forty three thousand people there. 
Why are so we? It's all why, our fault. Why, it's all why, our fault. But that's why? what I'm saying. Like, 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 I went to this game and I immediately regret. I'm like, I will not step foot in this stadium. That was my first game of the year. Like, believe me, I have been boycotting going out there because I don't want to see shit baseball. I just thought, you know what? It was Hawaiian shirt day. That's the real reason why I went. And guess what? I didn't get my Hawaiian shirt. So I was real mad when I left the Bronx today. But why are there 43,000 people there? Because you know what? If people still go, they're going to still making money. <laughs> they're going to be making money. Yeah. And he's never going to sell. The- and he's the only owner in sports where it's his only income. This is unheard of where he doesn't have a family business. He well, doesn't no, have anything. That, it's that, just that, the Yankees. No, the Lakers are like that too in the NBA. Oh, I okay. I didn't know about the Lakers, but I knew that the Yankees, like it was Hal, like this is the only thing that they have. Like, what are we doing? Give me some hedge fund, dude. No, we, we need we need Jeff Bezos to come in here and be like, listen, I'll give you ten billion dollars for the Yankees and be done with it. That's that's what we need. Give him that's twenty. Give him twenty, because you know what? It's worth it. It's worth the twenty. This baseball team is ridiculous. They print money. They print more money than the government does. Well, that's a different story. It it's bleak times right now. It's bleak times, Andrew. So so what are you looking forward to? Um now that you know, baseball is pretty much a wrap for the year. Like, what are you looking forward to? I'm looking forward to the development of Randy Vasquez. Like I said before, I think his stuff is awesome. It is so fun watching him out there. Dude is ready to go. And I want, I truly believe he can be something special. And Domingo Herman, even though he is a horrible human being, <laughs> even though he threw a perfect game, he looks really good. He does. He His stuff is pretty nasty. When he's on... He's got four really good pitches. That changeup is disgusting. So I really like it. You know, I, I want to see these guys develop. And obviously Rodon. And I mean, look, it's just the pitching. The hitting is so bad. Like, I, like it's. I used to be a, a fan when I was younger, and I couldn't watch a full game where I'd only watch the offense and like doze off when they were pitching. I'm the opposite now. I only want to watch the pitching because the hitting is so freaking bad. It's it's just it's uninter it's like not entertaining to watch them hit. Well, this was a good therapy session going into the All Star break. Um, I'm catching up on Showtime, Netflix, HBO Max. It's just not happening. I I I monitor just so I I have what to talk about when I want to rant and rave or let you you know come on last minute to have a vent session. Um, but yeah, it's, it's bleak, man. Giant season can't come soon enough. I was about to say, it's football season and quarterbacks coming out on Wednesday. I'm ready for that. And I'm ready to watch the Aaron Rodgers, baby. Let's go jets. Yeah. Jet, jet fans are, jet fans are getting excited when they end up third in the division. It's not going to be so say fun. That. Don't, <laughs> don't, I want, I'm not going to rain against I, my I'm boys. Not, I'm not, I'm not going to rain on your parade. I'm not going to rain on your parade because <laughs> you were gracious enough to do this last minute. Andrew, this was great. Uh, nice little therapy session. Thanks so much. Maybe we'll do it again. Probably not if it's bad, but I appreciate you, bud. We, got, we, always, we always got to do the funeral episode. You're right. We got to do so it. We'll, f- we'll figure this, it out. This this may be it, but who knows? This could be the fu- this is the this is the nail is half in. Half in. You're right. You're right. The nail's half in. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, bud. Speak All to right, you soon. So part one was a little Yankee sadness going into the Midsummer's Classic. And I know I haven't spoken a lot of Mets baseball, but let's just say there is Mets sadness too for the first half of the year. 
highest payroll in the league, and currently sitting at 42 and 48, uh, six games under 500. So I had to get a uh, recurring guest on short notice. Big Met fan Ari Pelkovitz is back on to talk a little Met sadness. Ari, so let me ask you this. We're going to start here. Okay. If you had to describe in one word your emotions towards this Met season right now, what would it be? One word. I have too many words. Uh, disaster. Disaster. I can. It's just been. It's been really bad. Anything that could have gone wrong, could go, could have gone wrong, has gone wrong on on pretty much every level. Um, I, I had anticipated. I didn't. I don't want to say I had anticipated. I could show you some texts where I said, you know, this could be a total disaster. But when I said disaster in the beginning of the year and thought about how bad things could be, I didn't think it would, I, I didn't think they were bad enough. To, they, they could be this bad, really. I, I thought that they'd be like clawing for the wild card or something like that. And this team is is a mess. And it's uh, it's tough to watch. And I don't, I'm not positive there's like much to hope for for this year right now. So is it more sadness or is it more, have you gotten to that point where you're just like, you know, you've kind of just given up and you don't really care anymore because they kind of thought that they were going to rope you back in a little bit. And then Max Scherzer got bombed by the Padres and wasn't really competitive. And now I think a lot of Met fans, for whatever goodwill they were starting to have, may have may have thrown it away. I, I wasn't I, I was talking to some friends about this, like after June, what they had to do is they had to go on a run like they started to go on. It went something like 20 and 25. What I conditioned myself to do as a Mets fan, and I've been a very long-suffering one, is to um, is to is to I, I do feel some indifference um, for sure. Uh, I try not. I'm not paying attention to the standings anymore. I want to see them play some good baseball, and and like reel off a 20 of 25 run or something like that, and then see where we're at. Get back to 500. And then I'll take a look at what everybody in front of us in the in the standings is doing. I, I don't think this season's necessarily over, but this can't happen unless no, nothing good can come of this unless unless they go on one of those crazy runs like the Braves are on right now. But I mean, they're not the Braves or or, or the Phillies are on right now. Um, uh, and then you take a look at the standings and you see you could, you could reassess. But I, I'm I'm properly detached. I'm not throwing my remote at the at the wall like I used to or anything like that. I, I, I mean, it's easy to detach from a team, like a franchise like this, you know, just to protect yourself. That's what I do at least. So where did it go wrong? This is a team that won 101 games last year. Um, where did it go wrong? Like, like, is it a hangover from how the end of last year happened? Is it just a crazy confluence of events where everybody is having a down year all at once? The Diaz injury, like, where did it all go wrong? Um, where did it all go wrong? Uh, it's a bunch of things, but it started with Diaz, I think. Diaz is, is the Mets' most valuable player, um, and they didn't do anything. They just like, oh, okay, we lost our we lost our best reliever. Let's just, like, slot everybody down. Let's not go and pay pennies for his brother, who's incredible. Let's not go out and get somebody to fill in the gap. Let's just, like... Put Robertson in this role that he's okay at, and just hope that our middle relievers are okay. Um, so that's where it started. The bullpen's a total disaster. And to 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 that, but to the point I was making earlier, I don't think this pen is capable of of 
of supporting a run that they need to make. So I think it started with the pen. I think it's tough to rely on older players like um, like Scherzer and Verlander year in and year out, although I didn't mind the Verlander signing per se. Obviously, one of the things that has gone right or like you can't question is the Correa thing fell apart and he's been a disaster. Um, DeGrom is one of the great tragedies in baseball history, in my opinion, because he's a top five pitcher all time, like if he's healthy, in my opinion. Um, uh, a lot of the things that they missed out on didn't seem, don't, don't seem so bad. I don't know what I would have done differently per se, except play better. Everybody's underachieving. Um, and then you start looking at like uh, the, the, the salaries and everything under a little bit more of a microscope. And I don't care if, 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 uh, if uncle Stevie spends a billion dollars, if they're going to win a ring, but you know, what are they paying? Like $50 million in salaries to team, to players that, that, that aren't on the team anymore, including the guys they just traded away. Um, and you know, you're spending a lot of money on guys who are really, really, really underachieving. Even the guys who are playing. Okay. Like, uh, Lindor, um, Lindor has a lot of RBIs and has been great in this recent run, but like, he's not playing up to his contract, whatever that means. Marte has been an unmitigated disaster, which is a shame because I think he's a great player. I just don't think he can stay healthy. And, but he's been like really unclutch and it's been pretty bad. Even Pete, who is hitting homers is batting 220. Um, only a couple of guys are are playing the way they should be playing, um, but the pen is is the beginning and the end. I think the biggest mistake Eppler made is not addressing the the bullpen issue. No one can clean this up. Not even not even Celia can clean this up. Carlos Beltran or Beltran can clean this up. Sorry, it's that, that, that that's a deep cut for those of us uh, great neck folks. So I just, just have the benefit of like explain that uh, to the audience. It's a, it's a deep cut. Uh, I appreciated that joke. So I want to start with um, the temperament of the owner, right? He comes in as a guy who generally runs hot, very passionate about the team. Like this is his passion project, right? He's not doing this to make money. He's doing this because he loves the Mets and he's an ultra competitive guy. But he seems to be preaching patience here. Yeah. Which I think was a far cry from what Met fans expected. And I think some Met fans kind of want. Like, I think there are some Met fans out there that want Buck Walter to be gone or yeah, some coaches to be gone. So yeah. where are you at with with the temperament of the owner? Because I do think for the Mets specifically, more so than any other team in baseball, well, except for maybe the Yankees in a different way, the owner really dictates the – the tone of the organization. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a good point. I, I didn't even mention Buck who's to me feels checked out and I loved him last year. I loved his attitude and it's easy to love a manager who wins 101 games and, and you as a Yankee fan experience this also, he's just, he can't get a team to the finish line and now he just feels, it feels like he's done. And I would have not, I wouldn't have cried even a little if they fired him um, and, and Epler for that matter. And if he just cleaned house, but he made a, a relatively compelling point, basically saying, if you have an issue trigger finger in the middle of the season, uh, then guys don't want to come play for you or work for you, uh, which is interesting. I, I, I don't, I don't necessarily buy into it. It was kind of, it felt kind of weak at the time when, when he basically said, Okay, in 24 hours, I'm going to have this press conference. I just assumed that it was going to be something big. And it was just this preaching patience thing. And then in the interim, Epler got up there and said, I have full confidence in Buck. Okay, so everybody's saved for the year. In my 
like in the grand scheme of things, like I don't think this team is it. I don't know what you can do to fix it um, in in midseason, short of like destroying the farm system or training some of these young guys who I'm still pretty excited about. Um, uh, so, you know, you, you play this season out, you have a, a playoff roster. I think this roster as it stands is still a playoff roster. You try to get some cheap relievers. They just got this reliever from Mariners um, by taking on flex and salary. So he, he might improve things. I don't, I think you need a lot more than just one of these guys and hope they go on one of these insane runs. I don't think it's going to happen. To your point, I'm sorry. I'm not, I didn't really answer your question. I don't. I'm not ready to be like, you know, Steve Cohn is the problem. I didn't need Steve Cohn to be all fire and brimstone. I need Steve Cohn to open his checkbook and sign the right guys. And you know, like it's 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 hard to build your team in free agency and not through your farm system. So you pay and you pay and you keep your farm system intact and hope you pick the right guys in the draft and hope that you know you pick up some random guys along the way that like turn out to be great, like Degrom was who came out of nowhere. Um, and, and then you, you keep, you keep paying and, you know, sure. Like years like this, we're, we're the laughing stock of the league. It's inexcusable that they're the highest payroll in history and they're sitting at six games on the 500 and six games out of a wild card spot. Um, but like us Mets fans are used to this part of it. It's like underachieving and everything is all very Metsy right now, but I'm not ready to say, I hope the guy sells the team because he's not being like aggressive enough with like firing and, Having like to talk out of both sides of my mouth, if he had gone and gone on a rampage and fired Buck and Epler and everybody else, then I would have been fine with that too because somebody deserves to go. So I actually think you guys are in a good spot because of of the owner, like not in yeah. spite of the owner, but that's just that's just going forward. We talked about Billy Epler for a second. Yeah, um, a lot of the stuff that I'm I'm hearing and reading about you know Mets discourse is that. The farm systems in shambles. Besides for Alvarez and Beatty, there isn't really anybody who's garnering any excitement at any level. And that was a failure of, you know, regimes before Billy Epler. So are you willing to give Epler a pass too? Like Buck has not had a good year, but ultimately I don't want to say the manager's replaceable because I think – you know, if you look at Aaron Boone for the Yankees, I think he needs to be replaced just because he's, you know, a wet blanket. I don't think Buck Showalter's that. But Billy Epler, do you give him a pass or or is he somebody who's got to go also? Billy Epler not addressing the bullpen to me is a fireable. You lose your most va- – like, again, you're, like, it's debatable whether he's the most valuable player. But he's your – Edwin Diaz is – there's no argument that he's a top three most valuable player on the Mets roster. I would argue that he is the most valuable player on the roster. Um, and you lose him and, and you don't do anything. And to me, that's an excuse. Um, uh, that, that's enough for me not to give him a total pass. The reason he's still there is a, because Steve Cohn doesn't want to do midseason firings, I think. And also there's this idea that this guy's best friend with John Stern, best friends with John Stearns is going to be San, the new Sandy Alderson next year, probably. And he has some inside track to Otani, but Otani's not coming here if this team goes 10 games on the, you know, doesn't make the playoffs, I don't think, um, unless, you know, they pay something crazy. I, I think that's like all part of the equation. I'm not, he also traded for Darren Ruff and Daniel Vogelback and like right. uh, guys who are like, you know, he, he hasn't done anything all that exciting. Like, and he has this owner who's willing to take on these salaries that he trades away in order to get better players. And, he hasn't done all that much to build something. And when you're 
looking in the division alone and you're looking at what um you know the that asshole in atlanta does it's like it's you don't necessarily need the guy like that or or a guy like the guy in san diego who's also underachieving a preller um and anthopolis or whatever his name is whatever what these guys are doing and they're like they're creative and they're and they're building like legitimate legitimate rosters and they're not making crazy missteps in the trade market necessarily um even the small ones and like and and those two guys if they lost their best if they lost their top player they would have done everything they could to go and replace him Raul Acuna missed the entire year the Braves won the World Series he's gonna win the MVP of the National League like the uh, Braves are like a different different beast. I don't think money can can and the Braves also sign every single one of their young stars to very team friendly contracts. And the Austin again, Riley contracts crazy. I don't know how his agent doesn't get fired for that. Like it's well, insane. Yeah, I, I think it's like there's some somebody there's some Kool Aid in the clubhouse that like these guys insist on saying, and that's there's a lot to be said there. The the I didn't read so much. I like what JD Davis was saying about like uh, you know about the the culture at the Met like in uh, at the Mets. I I mean I skimmed through the article, but like you know a lot of ex ex players like come back and say that it wasn't the best place to be. It's hard to play in New York, man. Like Atlanta's probably easier. The fan base gets excited when they're good, um, and they're pretty pretty fair weather, which is fine. But like that's the worst part about all this is these guys are never not going to be good. And once in a while, you might be able to sneak one in. I just want one freaking ring, like honestly. And then like, whatever, then to me, it's crazy. I want one freaking ring where like, I can actually remember every single inning. Um, so, you know, that's doable, uh, but they're not building a dynasty with, with in the division they're in. Let me ask um, you this. The, Yan- the Yankee fans to me, the embodiment of the blah Yankee regime right now, especially for this year, is Glaber Torres, right? A guy yeah. who's super talented, but ambivalent as all hell, loose, you know, just seems like his head is up his ass all the time. If you had to give, you know, the Met fan or speak for the Met fan for their equivalent of Glaber Torres, you know, the guy who's just embodies this blah season, who would it be? Until, until his recent run, it's probably Lindor. Lindor doesn't really seem to give a shit very often. Um, sorry, part of my French, but like uh, I, I, every day it's somebody different, and I can list just about anybody, like except for really Alonzo and Nimmo um, and Max Scherzer. Like, there's so many answers that you can answer. Just like, but from an attitude standpoint, where like he didn't like like when things were at their worst, Lindor didn't seem to care, and maybe it's because he understands it's a long season. Um, but like this guy is not playing up to his contract and his contract is something obscene. And again, I don't know what that means. And that's a moving target. What that means. He had a great season last year and he's driving in a ton of runs this year and he's like starting to produce. So it's really hard to like complain, especially now, but he, he, he doesn't seem to care. Buck, Buck felt in June, like they were checked out that month of June, they didn't win a series. Um, towards the end of the year, you towards the end of that month, you started reading some body language and you're watching the games and and Buck was done. Uh, a lot of these guys seemed done. So the the Glabar like might be might be Lindor, 
Um, but I do think these guys care and I think they're trying, which makes it even worse in some way, right? Like, yeah, I don't think it's an attitude problem except for, for Lindor, um, at times when things are really bad. Uh, but, uh, Lindor would be my, my answer over the course of the whole year. Uh, so I don't have another good answer. Like, uh, otherwise you guys, Yankees have a different in general. Yankees like are, are having, are in a tough division. It's tough to complain. It's just hard for Met fans here, Yankee fans, complain when they're in the tough division. But are they in the playoff spot right now? Are they not? They're like a game out. They're, they're a game, game out. out. Okay, they're so in, so that, that's a good transition because yeah. us Yankee fans have been bitching and moaning about this regime for a while. The yeah. fact that, you know, the stat nerds run the team. The manager's a wet blanket. The offense is horrific. Their payroll is as such, and they have one legitimate outfielder. They have another guy who they traded for who was an MVP of the league who played outfield, who they refused to play in the outfield, especially with all the injuries. And and the Met fan is mad that we're annoyed. Take us through the psyche of the Met fan. I, I I don't really care that much to be honest with you. Like I, I mean, we're just the we've been the little brother forever. We hate the Yankees. We hate the Yankee fans. Like in the in a vacuum, um, it's just hard to like if you're sitting down with a Yankee fan and you talk about you, you both. You could both be right, right? I tell my kids, right? Like like my kid every time I say somebody else is like somebody else says they're hungry. It's like no, I'm hungry. Like more people could be dis- more than one person could be right. disgruntled. More than one person can be cute or smart or funny, and 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 more than one fan base can be pissed. Sure, but like, if, if let us win the contest of like being the biggest hitch, <laughs> like let us be the biggest loser. <laughs> like, and, and I think there's this rant. I don't know if I mentioned. To, I, I don't think this rant of I forget who it is. I'm like I should have come prepared with it. Of like one of these, um, one of these uh, like fan hosts really going on a rant like where he just lost it totally lost it with um with a yankee fan who's calling and complaining about the state of the team and i'm like yeah amen but am i really upset that you guys are complaining you're not happy with how things are going no i get it i get it i, I wouldn't be excited about this yankee team necessarily you know there's not there's nothing to be excited about it's I mean, you have this young kid you, you, your pitching staff is subpar i don't know what's going to be with uh this isn't a world series team either no, the offense is horrible. The offense yeah, is absolutely they can, horrible. They, can hit. they have some overachieving pitchers. I, I mean, I, I haven't followed it as closely. They don't they don't strike fear. They're way better teams than the IL. And 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 but you know, any team can sneak in and make it. So the Yankees are in a position to sneak in. The Mets need a lot more to happen. So just from that perspective, it's hard to hear Yankee fans complain. Um, especially, especially after the series, like that. Well, I mean, I guess we split it. Is that what it was, two two? Yeah. I went to the one of the games where the I went to the game there Scherzer where Scherzer blew it, and that felt at that point like one of the low points of the season. Um, uh, but again, none of that matters, right? Like they're they're both they're both in shambles. You you the, the more interesting conversation is who's in better shape long term, and maybe Steve Cohen is, is a tiebreaker. But I don't know what this pitching staff looks like in in, in three years. On the one hand, you know, I think Steve gives the Mets the upper hand because he cares. He wants to win, and he'll he'll stop it, you know, nothing to get them to win. And Hal Steinbrenner doesn't seem to care and probably wants out of the business. On the other hand, it's the New York Mets versus the New York Yankees, and that's really all you have to say, right, In, in in terms of being cursed. 
back to the Mets for this season. So if they're going to be come the trade deadline, about four games under 500, five games under 500, if you're running the team, are you selling off everything? Are you selling off Scherzer and Verlander? Are you are you just cleaning house and starting anew? Like, how would you operate if you were the GM? I figured you would ask me this, and I, I honestly don't know the answer. I, I, I'd see what's out there. Um, if I'm within striking distance of a playoff spot, you got to hold on to those guys because you're not going to get like a good pitcher in return. Define <laughs> striking distance. Uh, like if you, if you're within four or five, three or four games with not 10 teams in front of you with like that, and you could catch and two of those guys are like teams that you play a bunch, right? Like if the Marlins and the Phillies are in front of them, which they will be obviously. Um, and the Mets like go on a little bit of a run, you know, in the last two weeks of the month, I don't see it happening, right? So I see it more likely that they're going to be six to ten games out um, and with no real chance. And then I think you go out there and see who you could get for Scherzer and Verlander. But then you become a little more of a lasting stop because they're definitely covering, like, a lot of those 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 um, um, those salaries. And on top of that, you are – if you're starting to think about next year and who's going to win this Otani sweepstakes and the Mets are a top three team that can get him, although it looks like – the Dodgers feel like the team that's going to end up getting him. Uh, it, 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 then you have to start thinking, okay, what, what's wh- if he's not going to come to this team if like they don't have anything, anything. So right. it's not nothing, right? You keep all your offensive players. I, I don't know if you try to trade Marte. I think like I, I don't I don't think he's a hundred percent, but I also like he's been he's been pretty bad. You keep these offensive players. You have some exciting young guys. You wouldn't try and trade Lindor. I don't think you can trade Lindor. I haven't heard anybody talk about trading Lindor. His contract is too big, and he's uh, he's a producer even when he's not paying so well. I think you have to retain the middle of the lineup. Um, this is the best part about this is you don't have to think about money, right? Like it's 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 not in the equation. Sure, if I thought that it would hinder Steve Cohn from spending money on somebody like an Otani and whoever comes up in the next five years, then I would say sure, try to try to trade him away. I don't think that's part of the conversation. The part of the conversation is you trade your very old top two starting pitchers who can only help you maybe in the next year and a half uh, and try to either get a younger arm or replenish the farm system a little bit. I I don't know who's really available actively. Um, That's part of the problem. A lot of these young pitchers get locked up, which is why you have to pay a Verlander or uh, you have to pay a Verlander or or a Scherzer and then step in shit like in 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 the farm system. Um, likely and, let's be, and let's be honest, when DeGrom walked, it's not like the fan base was going to be super excited about bringing in Nathan Ovaldi to replace him, right? Who's no, actually been better than He's been way better, better than, than DeGrom. He's well, better than DeGrom before DeGrom was done. But like right. when DeGrom walked, Verlander was the answer. I didn't care. It didn't bother me that they paid him. I mean, the guy was still producing very at a very high level. I still think he could have a decent season. I think he should garner some trade value, especially if – uh, he like some of these uh, some of his contracts discovered, which again I wouldn't mind. I just don't know what that looks like, and you're they're not in full rebuilding mode. That's just not right. how they're built. So you stick to the plan. And like I read a quote that he said, like this is Coney said, listen, like there are two ways to do this: you build up your farm system and you wait, and or you spend money in free agency, and that can go wrong sometimes. Sometimes you make the wrong signings, and he can try to back out of it. Um, by trading these guys, but then you're then you're wasting some of the years of some of the the offensive players that you that you paid. 
there's not there's no world in which there's going to be a full they're going to be in full sell mode. So the two guys that they can trade that if they can trade for some like almost league ready like 2024 like call ups like who are really good to guys who are really needed like an Andrew Painter right that's not going to happen but a Scherzer for Painter like the like you know maybe maybe you could do something like that I, I I'm not suggesting that as a, as a trade it's just like guys who we've heard of right who are in the minors or like just getting started that can actually produce as pitchers in the, in the coming years and I don't think that's a thing I don't know who's going to be a free agent next year you just got to like roll with these guys I think I think yeah. that's what's happening it's so really- uh, we'll let you go on this one it'll, it'll be the last question so how do you think it shakes out you think they just roll it over for the year say you know it kind of just didn't break our way this year we still have the skeletons of uh, a really good team and just Diaz will be back next year you know, and and just run it back with minor minor tweaks here and there, but like just run it back that way. I don't think, yeah, I don't, I don't anticipate a very active deadline. I think they're like in 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 uh, purgatory. Um, I could be wrong, and if I'm wrong, it'll be that way. I don't want them buying. I think right. they're too far away. I think the only way to turn this season around is for the current roster to turn the season around and get a couple of bullpen arms for cheap. You know, pay a guy in DFA and get the other, the other, have the other guy be some sort of middle reliever who can like get us to our very like replacement level closer, but at least he's a legitimate closer. Um, so fix the bullpen, make like some small tweaks to the bullpen, address that, you know, see what happens. Like, hope you get hot, hope you can go on that 20 for 20 out of 25 run and then do it, do it again. And uh, and then and then reconvene and see what happens in the off season with this like monolith like this this once in a lifetime player, and if you get him, that changes the roster all altogether, you know. And then and then and then that's a totally new season. I I have no hope that this season turns out to be anything, but I don't want them to totally blow it up and 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 see it. And that's not he's he's not going to do that. Well, this was a very morbid, you know, yeah, segment we had going on like here to cap off a morbid episode. New York baseball is in shambles. Our giant conversation was a lot more fun. Well, that's what we're waiting for right now is, as New York sports fans. We're waiting for football to come back. These were two teams last year that were in the mix to be World Series contenders. And this year it's anything but. But I appreciate you coming on short notice, do a little bit of a uh, a therapy session for the Met fans. Before you go back to Florida, we're both depressed. Like apparently on Millnet Road, not another deep cut. I'm sorry. I know this is for a wider audience, but they're opening a ketamine clinic for depression. So we can just hit that up before you go. And maybe maybe that's the answer. That's, I'll, that's I'll, the answer. I'll, I'll, I'll be sure to, to make an appearance. All right, Falcon, this was great. Thanks so much for doing it on short notice, bud. No problem, man. Take care. Always Thanks again to recurring guest Andrew Sender for talking about how pathetic and sad the Yankee season is. Thanks again to recurring guest Ari Palkovitz for coming on and talking about how pathetic and sad the New York Mets season is. This was about as depressing an episode as I've ever recorded in the history of this show, but it is what it is. That's what happens when it's summertime and both ba- local baseball teams are bad. That's episode 216 for the love of the game. Take us out, Jack Harlow. What's poppin'? Brand new whip, just hopped in. I got options. I can pass that like Stockton. Just joshing. I'ma spend this holiday locked in. My body got rid of them toxins. Sports in the top 10.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.